0: Hello and welcome to Season 5 of Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout, late-night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Primate Apparel, and Croqueta Strength for their consistent support and encouragement. For the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game, there's none better than Steve at Skull Smash. If you're looking to hit a brutal pull and need that added grip, Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. Use code BIGMOPOWER to save money. If you're looking for a team that's going to stand by you through all the ups and downs, shoot a DM over to the Croqueta Strength on IG for 10% off programming when you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who do you ill is a vital part of my training. And you can use the code faith and fitness to save money on that as well. Head over to any of those Instagram pages to get some products. This morning, I have the privilege of sitting down with 11 time IPF world champion and one of the most influential women in powerlifting today, Miss Jen Thompson. You aren't going to want to miss a single minute of this episode as we talk about rookie bench mistakes, even her beginnings as a powerlifter, ways to mitigate injury and sustaining a long career in the sport, and just the concept of women in powerlifting in the first place. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Jen, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on.
1: I'm pretty excited to be here.
0: So this is the, I think, first time I've ever recorded an episode in the morning, so oh, forgive okay. me if my <laughs> voice sounds somewhat scratchier than it should, but uh, I was too eager to wait until the evening to get this episode through. <laughs> That's um, good, because
1: I'm a morning person anyway, so. <laughs> good. Been, I'm
0: getting the best side of you, as opposed to- You, you are. Know, the, Yes. Well, you know, just, I mean, most people who are listening to this already know who you are. Uh, you are one of the most influential women in the powerlifting industry right now, But a lot of people may not know how you started. So Uh over your career powerlifting, how in the world did you even get involved in this crazy sport? Well,
1: I just sort of stumbled into it, really. (laughs) I was a long-distance runner in high school, and I did road races in college. And um, my roommates lifted weights. I was one, uh, I was two girls and two guys in a rental house. And one of our roommates um, learned how to lift weights in the Army, and our whole basement was full of weights. And they kept telling me every day, quit running, come down and lift weights with us. And I was real nervous about it. Um, But I really didn't like running all that much. I just liked the um, competition of it and just being active. So eventually I accepted (laughs) and I went down to that basement and it was all men. It was just, I was the only girl. And, um, and I started gaining some confidence in that and, um, and I didn't even know anything about powerlifting. We were just gym rats lifting down in the basement because at this time, I mean, this is um, in the late 90s, really wasn't big box gyms yet. You know, it was mostly racquetball clubs and community centers. So we bought, we pooled our money and bought our own resources. And um, so, you know, like five o'clock every day, everyone showed up to lift. It was like a party really. And uh, I married my roommate. <laughs> And, uh, uh, we were walking Venice beach and we stumbled upon a powerlifting competition. And I knew like I was getting strong because I was getting strong compared to some of the guys that I was lifting with, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to be a bodybuilder. Um, fitness was big at the time. It was like the up and coming sport and I'm not like coordinated in any way. <laughs> so
2: like, <Right.
1: laughs> That was not an option, you know? And so I just didn't even know like what to do with it. And that's how we found powerlifting. So we watched it on Dennis on Muscle Beach and I looked it up on the internet and then one year later started my did my first one and I was hooked ever since.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's that, so I'm so glad to hear you stopped the long distance running for lifting though. Like I'm yeah. hoping my parents are listening to this right now. You know, but both my parents were, were long distance runners. My dad was a marathon runner and so when I was growing up, I was a skinny little kid. Now, obviously, people can't see the video right now. I'm not a skinny little kid. Anymore. No. <laughs> but uh, when, when I started, you know, my dad was like, hey, Moses, just keep running. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad. You know, Dad, if you're listening to this, running isn't always the answer. It can I be. I had it's the same experience.
1: Good. My dad was a road runner, also, and all we did was run on the weekends. So I was just into it because I was born into it, really. And that was the only thing that mattered. So.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> But somehow we found that mutual love of weights, which is the absolute yeah. opposite. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy for it. So, um, you know, that first competition, I can obviously my first competition was just a few years ago. So I can remember it vividly. And I'm sure you can probably imagine your first oh, lift as well. So my, one of my favorite questions is what was that very first squat in that competition like?
1: Oh, it was horrible. Like, my first meet was terrible. Like, I had to cut weight for the first time, Ooh. you know. Um, and um, I had learned how to deadlift, like, the night before. We'd never deadlifted before. And my first um, my first squat, I think, I want to say it was um, 186 pounds. It was, like, not big.
2: Right. And
1: um, the first one, I was super high. They all called me high. My second one, I fell backwards into the spotter. And so I, I like they had to pick me up and rack me. Oh, and then my yes. last one I got, but I think they were just
0: being really nice. Like <laughs> they, so. they didn't want you to have to bomb out. Yeah, I yeah. oh. think
1: it was my first meet and they were just being very generous. So I got hundred and eighty six pounds squat, my very first meet. And then I benched like two fifteen.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I benched more than I squat. All the judges are watching. Like, Would she just-?
1: They were like, What is going on? Who is this woman? <laughs> Oh, wow. It was hilarious. I met, um, you probably don't remember some of these names because uh, you're yeah, so much younger than I am, but I met Horace Lane at that meet who was a, a huge lifter um, in the um, early 2000s and one of his coaches. And so I met some influential people at that meet that kind of help guide me along the way. So it was good to go. <laughs>
0: Yeah. well and was there was there a feeling of you know even as you know you said you kind of had a disastrous opening you mm-hmm. know with the squats as people watched you bench was it that kind of the moment where they're like hold on a second like there's some potential here for this woman specifically as a bencher or was it later on as you continued to compete
1: no it was that day uh cj batten who uh isn't really uh much in our sport anymore but he was kind of like the number one coach mm-hmm. at the time he was horse lazy and, and he walked right up to me and he's like you got something there. Let me help you. <laughs> so I did my first bench nationals. Like he's like, he's like, you just broke like all the records, like just right now. <laughs> he's like, who are you? What are you doing? And you know, this was all um, in the equipped days. Nobody did raw which I did rocks. So I didn't even know. I'm like, why are these people walking around like mummies? You know? right. like, I, like, I don't get what's going right. on. This is the craziest sport ever. Um, but uh, it was sort of, it kind of set the foundation and the platform. And, you know, at that time, I mean, my first meet was in 1999, which I don't even know if you were born then. Maybe not. <laughs> I,
0: I was like one and a half years old. Yeah, it, <laughs> okay. was, it was those early so. years.
1: Like the internet was just sort of getting going and you still had to look at magazines for any information. So it was a long learning curve as to how to figure out how to do things if you didn't physically know somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess now, I mean, obviously we look now 21, 22, whatever year it is now, we're all totally lost 2021. <laughs> now that we're like 21 years later, I mean, everyone's so accessible, that really, in a way that it isn't, I even think of just this podcast in general, the fact that I really can just DM anyone, send somebody a friend request, and well, that just wasn't an option, you know, 20 right. years ago.
1: Uh, uh, no, not at all.
0: So what does you it look to- like in that regard?
1: It was just strange because like you had to, um, like the meets you would find out in the back of Powerlifting USA magazine. So you had to get a magazine and look at wow. the back to see and then nail in a registration. You know? Wow. Like, was, like it was so bizarre, you know. Um, so, I mean, you really like you had to plan way ahead of time. I mean, you would find out results from meets like when the next magazine came out. Wow. So, I mean, it would be a month. Before you find out like who won the world championships or who did what, when, you know, like, and the magazines really dictated um, what was told and who was, um, who was really covered and interviewed. And so like, it was it's so much better now
0: (laughs) yeah that's a whole different i can't even i feel like like the stress of trying to sign up for a meet and you're like mailing it in you're like oh man i hope i like got Um, in in time oh yeah you
1: have to call and make sure they got your entry you know to see if there's any changes
0: it was just holy smokes different Man, well, and and even, you know, since, since you've started and, you know, powerlifting is, of course, is increasingly, I feel like growing even just by the month, um, as more and more people see it, they're like, wow, this is really, this is something pretty cool. Um,
1: it's something How, anybody can do. So that is very appealing.
0: <laughs> it, it, is, it really is. And, and I think that's something I really appreciated about it is that I'm like, no, honestly, anytime someone's like, oh, I'm nervous about doing my first competition. I'm like, no, li- just go do it. Like, yes. honestly, like even go do a backyard meet. Like, I don't even mm-hmm. like, I'll sign you up for three, six, five strong iron mafia, SPL. Yeah. who cares? Like just yeah. go do it. And once they do and it. And now you have luck.
1: like, you have online meets now too. If you really want to like, Barely tip your toe into it before you go yes. into a real one. You know, there's yes. even you know online competitions now. If you really don't want to get in front of somebody yet, that you want to test out your skills, so there's lots of options to get involved.
0: Which which is incredible. And so I wonder over since from 1999, you know, through to now, I, I know it's it still has been the stigma, of course, of of women in powerlifting. Naturally, it was like a male-dominated sport. Even when you started, you're the only woman in the gym. What, what has it felt like for you as you've seen it grow in prominence to see so many more women feeling empowered to to train and compete and really excel? I think, of you know, like Amanda Lawrence and Danny Mello and, you know, Jessica Butner, like all of these lifters who have just done an incredible job. What has that been like just to see the sport grow in that regard? It gives
1: me goosebumps. Honestly, I have them right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have come like such a long way from the very first time that I started. You know, we couldn't even fill a weight class. Um, weight class up. You know, one flight would be multiple weight classes. It was just a handful of us doing it. Um, And social media, I feel like, and CrossFit to a point, has made it um, more acceptable and more desirable, probably. And I think now that we've got women, like you've mentioned, uh, we celebrate the various body types that women have so a lot of that stigma has gone away. That used to be mm-hmm. it used to be kind of feminine and skinny, and that was the type. And now we celebrate being thick with two C's, and a, right, you know, right. having a bedonk donk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. you, know, you know, you don't have to be some skinny, um, you know, uh, bodybuilding-looking girl anymore. You want to have shape, you know. And so I think just even our overall perception of um, how women look. Has changed in yeah. such a positive, and it's all come from those examples that we set and being accessible and putting it out there. So, like I, I would say, like I believe um, last year I did a talk in Dubai at the IPF um, Equipped Worlds. We had kind mm-hmm. of like a um, a talking series before, um, and I was going through a lot of the data. And even internationally, women now make up I think it's forty wow. percent
2: of wow
1: powerlifting which is
2: like it's remarkable
1: (laughs) like like we are here you know like we are definitely a part of this now Mm -hmm. and it's almost i mean it's getting close to half and i wouldn't be surprised if we got to half and then we even went past that um so i just think big big things for us
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's so exciting like that is really just so exciting because there has been and even i mean you'll still see it like honestly and it's it's always frustrating i have to like stop myself because i'm just naturally such an emotional person anytime i see you know you see somebody post something you know say amanda lawrence posts a top deadlift you know it's 500 something pounds and you're still going to get the guys who are like oh you know she's got to be on roids or oh this is too like this doesn't look and it's just like you know like when can we just move past like it's okay like your ego can be frail and you can just be worse like it's right. okay like it really is but to see so much more acceptance of at the same time how many more of my friends back in college and high school have been like, "Wow, like this is incredible! Like I want to start lifting weights. Like I want mm-hmm. to better myself." And it's left the whole like, "Oh, you'll get bulky if you lift weights, and that's bad." Right. To no, like, go pick now, up a barbell. I, I look at that. You know? Gotta get yeah. the peach.
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, you're going to chase it. Yes.
1: So I think like, you know, we've definitely smashed some of those glass ceilings for women. And the more we put out there, the more contact, the more we show. And you're always going to have those trollers. You're going to always have those guys that have, um, you know, a small man complex that can't think that a woman's possibly capable of doing this without some sort of um, artificial enhancements you know, or drugs yeah. or whatever it is. Um, but I, I just, you know, I get that a lot too. I just tend to ignore it and I just focus on the positive because really there's always going to be that negativity there. And if you, I feel like if you acknowledge it or you answer it, you're giving it power. Yeah. So there's more power in just ignoring it than, um, than taking it on.
0: A hundred percent. And, you know, you, you did mention there, you know, even just last week, uh, if you guys are listening, you can go check out the Dennis Cornelius episode from last week as well, another IPF world champion. Um, as you uh, have competed, obviously, you made the choice to remain drug free and uh, staying with IPF. Uh, what drove that decision? Uh, because I know, if, especially in powerlifting, there is that pressure of, well, I could choose to not be drug free. I think of someone like you know Stacey Burr, who was like, no, I'm going to become the best in the world. I'm going to do what it takes to do that. Uh, and she made that route. What was the decision for you to remain drug free and continue to excel eleven times on the road
1: <laughs> I don't know if it was ever a decision. Um, I just, I mean, and I don't mean to sound like full of myself, but I never needed to.
2: Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, I was doing yeah, well yeah.
1: without it. Right. Um, so, um, and I know, like, the frustrating part for me, especially when you compete internationally, you know, some of the others are on it. You know, they try to keep it somewhat of a clean sport, but it's not. You know, this is as much as you can try it for it to be. And there's been several times where I've taken second, and I take first after those drug tests come through. You know, so that's it's a frustrating part of the sport. Um, but I've always just kind of more, um, kind of my body is my temple, sort of attitude. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. I don't like to put anything in it that is potentially harmful, um, and that's just the choice I make. You know, um, other people make choices for different reasons. Um, And powerlifting, it sort of surprises me sometimes because, you know, in NFL, you can say, okay, the guy's got, you know, a million dollar contract. He's going to do what he can to keep it. Sure. And powerlifting, people make that kind of money. So I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, winning $500 at a local meet might not be worth, you know, injecting trend, you know, straight into your bloodstream. But
1: I mean, to each their own, to each their own, you know. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, I, uh, our mutual friend, you know, Duncan Hundley, you know, I think of, uh, he's just said, you know, one of his goals, he's like, I'm going to be the lightest man to squat a thousand pounds natural. And I mean, anyone who's ever seen him lift, is like, okay, fair. And like, he's going to do it. Like, that's not a question, but I do. There is, there's a certain level of, I don't know if respect is the right word because I have so much respect for people, even regardless of whether they take PED, but of just that choice of like, you know what? No, I want to see what the body can do naturally. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it is like I think that's been one of the things I've appreciated the most about powerlifting is just the incredible um, threshold and potential that the human body has. Like Ray Williams, like I mean, you I, I think of watching him squat thousand eighty, and it's like, how in the world? Like, I can't even imagine what that feels like on my back. You know, it's just well,
1: it's and like, we have so many tools now to get better. Like, today, you know, man. we have um we have um you know, we have nutrition, we know about programming, um, we have form, we have so many different tools to increase our ability to get better, that um, and we do have supplements, you have things to help you through your workout, but there's so many other things that you can do to make you better. And a lot of people have this misconception, if I just start taking drugs, I'm going to get stronger. Right. But that's not the case. You still got to work your ass off. You, know? yes. <laughs> like, Absolutely. you still have to put in the time and the effort and all that sort of stuff. You know, the only thing is that there there is going to be some negativity to mm-hmm. taking. We know scientifically there's going to be a negative outcome to that in some way, mm-hmm. you know. So you have to take, I guess, balance, um, yes. decide if it's oh, worth oh. it. But um, I just think there's so many other things you can do that can really propel you to be better.
0: Yeah, instead of being the the 18-year-old who just approaches the biggest guy in the gym and says, "What do I got to do so I can bench 315?" you know, mm-hmm. and honestly, I wish the answer could just be "bench more" instead of <laughs> "here, take this and inject it." You know, but right. anyway, I digress. But, you know, as even as you've coached or, you know, programmed and seen lifters rise, um there's so much variability in the human body. Of course, in, you know, what someone's bench arch looks like or uh, whether they're sumo or conventional, whatever, like there's just so much variability, but there's definitely feels like there's some consistency in just mistakes that people are making across the yeah. lifts, especially in bench. What has been some of the classic? You just even not at a beginner, but like some okay. of the elite level of some of those mistakes people are making that's just stopping them from improving on bench.
1: Uh, well, mostly people don't give it the time it deserves. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people deal with it as a break between the squat and the <laughs> so, um I'll be honest. I've fallen <laughs> in that
0: category before. I've definitely done that.
1: <laughs> I think mean, we have four training days out of eight. And two are dedicated to upper body, two are dedicated to lower body. So I think some of it is dedicating your training to it. Um, most of it's form. formal. Bench is so technical. Yeah. And like you said, we're all different with different levers, you know, and different strengths. And so um, for like most people, I mean, the leg drive, which is like the, an instant thing you can do to be better mm-hmm. is to properly incorporate leg drive. Or a lot of people I see even now, I mean, they're just very close grip benchers. And that's just, that's tricep benching. If you would actually gauge those pecs, you'd actually be way really stronger. It might take you a while to build that up. You see them, they have like no pec development at all. So, I mean, that's a lot of it is people think, well, that's wide benching, but I don't think it's wide benching. I think it's where you're supposed to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like I know you, you said before, kind of that 90 degree, because people have asked mm-hmm. like, Hey, like, how do I find the right grip? And it's kind of that 90 degree of ensuring you're not under cocking mm-hmm. or over cocking your wrists. You know, the obvious response in my head, which I know is invalid, is, you know, what about the shoulder? How do you protect the shoulder in that regard? If you are benching wider, as opposed to being a little bit narrower.
1: That all comes down to the arch, whether you hate it or not. Whether Uh-oh. you think it, I just did a post on it. And then I know, um, I don't know if you saw Johnny Candido's mm-hmm. um, YouTube video on arch and all that sort of stuff you definitely need one like otherwise you're just using your shoulders so um, if you can learn and you have to work at it it's not like you can just lay down an arch it's something i've had to develop over years and do lots of exercises and mobility to be able to get myself in the position to squeeze my shoulder blades get my shoulders out of it get your chest up really high and that's what protects your shoulders i've never had a shoulder problem my shoulders are not sore after a workout
0: it's huge because there's a lot of people <laughs> who are very sore, which is a sign that they're not doing something right.
1: Right. Which... It's too flat. Usually it's just too flat. And so we sort of need to get away from the stigma that an arch is a cheat. Now you can, you know, I do think like if you're moving the bar an inch, you because know, right. you're, you're like a contortionist, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about, you know, we're talking just about a normal arch setup so you still have a fairly good ROM going in the bench, you know, yeah. but it's important to have to actually just protection of your shoulders just for overall shoulder health um, and health of the body. I think I think you need one.
0: Yeah. And you know there was a friend of mine actually speaking of bench arch, you know, uh, I don't remember who it was, but was talking about how the IPF is looking at, hey, like is there an extent where an arch is too much. Um I think it was it was a you know, a lifter who, you know, was able to manipulate her body so much to the point that when she unracked it, it was already touching her chest. You know, it is there a point where it's too far. You think of someone like Sean Noriega mm-hmm. who just is very very mobile, but is still able mm-hmm. to move the bar at least a couple inches right. versus somebody who's so contorted that their body is two and a half feet off the bench. What point is too far and isn't uh, even really benching yeah. anymore?
1: Well, that's the sort of question. And where, where do you put that? Where do you draw the line you know, so, I mean, that's been going on at bench pressing since I started. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, like, um, I think it was my second year at Worlds. There was a Russian, I think her last name was Krylova, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And it was all equipped just before Ross. She didn't even wear a bench shirt. And she basically flexed her waist. And that was the entire lift. And actually, everyone blew. It was the first time I heard anyone out of Worlds boo somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, like, I mean, obviously, there needs to be a certain amount of ROM. And that's hard to say because I wrote so many different sizes. You know, sure. I don't know that you can say like it has to be this, this long, but I mean, you definitely know when it's not yes. <laughs> <You Yes. know>? <laughs> <laughs> like, a z- I think they called that the Japanese girl. She called it like a zero bench.
0: Um, I or- think is what she
1: named it um, because yeah. it was a zero yeah. bench. There was no bench going on. Right. Um so, I mean, there's definitely, I think, some things that we can incorporate to make that better. For one, would be like them to actually enforce the butt on the bench rule. Yeah. Uh, most of those girls just have their inner thighs or barely any of their butt. So, if you make them do a flat butt, that takes away some of it. I mean, you could also, I mean, there's a lot of little things that you could do. The um, question is, would they be willing to do that? Because there's definitely some countries, such as Japan, that would really piss them off Yeah. because their top lifters are the ones that highly take advantage of. Not a lot of wrong and kind of what I would say is cheating within the rules. Yes. Um, So are they willing to make that stance against those countries that dominate a bench because they are able to do that? Right. I don't know. <laughs> right.
0: right. And, and that's also the problem, not having, you know, a major powerlifting governing body as well, just across like all the federations yes. is whether it's even going to be possible to create a regulation like that. Without just pissing off a bunch of people and having an offshoot federation, international, whatever, get created in those countries.
1: You think, you know, if you want to make our sport an Olympic sport, which is, you know, that's IPS, so I think number one drive right now is to try to, and it has been for a while, but they're really trying hard. Yeah. Um, I don't know necessarily that's a good thing or not, but anyway, um, they have to look at will people want to watch something like that. Yeah. And, do, yeah. and, and you know, they're very um, – the World Games and everything else is equipped and is equipment something that's going to popularize our sport.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's not even the majority of our athletes anymore. So in some ways, they're so far behind um, the times, I feel like, with yeah. what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean – and, and I had that conversation with somebody recently as well where I was like, okay, first off, the powerlifting meet is like six hours long. So oh. even like be, being the competitor in the first place, it's mm-hmm. awful. Like I think yeah. like, I feel bad like inviting my family to like watch anything because I'm like, I will be on this platform under nine minutes in the total of this <laughs> six hour period. And my dad's like, no, like it's going to be great. Like I'll get into everybody else. I'm like, no, like you might get into like the top three lists of the flight, but like yeah. I will not be up there for a long time. And, and so it's how, yeah, how do you market something like that when you know that so much of it is just going to be loading plates and waiting and somebody's putting their wrist wraps on for the third time and they're readjusting and under adjusting re- you know that it, it is yeah. it's, how, how do you market something like that so that i wouldn't watch probably a powerlifting meet unless yeah. it's like the current you That's, know or an ipf yeah. world championship
1: really the only one watching powerlifting is powerlifters, just right to me like or someone that knows powerlifting um i think like We've made some big gains, uh, especially in USA Power. If you watch the Arnold or um, like prime time at the Ron Nationals with the uh, Geno Power powerlifting always makes it pretty darn exciting. <laughs> and the technology that they use—you know, the backboards, the screens, the lights, the cameras, the smoke—all that sort of stuff makes a little bit more of a production, which definitely makes it. And then commentary too, especially on the live stream. If you've got a good commentator. I mean, that's really makes it fun if they can actually set up and let you know what's going on and who needs this and this needs this and, you know, giving some background information. I think that makes it definitely more appealing to the public. Uh, but I mean, I think we'd probably need to like talk to like a top marketing firm and get some advice on how to like... Right. What what
2: are we doing wrong stuff, here? Uh,
1: <laughs> it, like something has to go with, I don't know, the uniforms and, you know, you and people like uh, a show. They like entertainment. So I think you have to somehow make it more entertaining. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause even you know, simply something as uh, you know, as silly as like WWE, which (laughs) isn't real wrestling, but has led so many people. I think of like The Rock. I mean, it's what blew up Dwayne Johnson's career, you know, that even if we need to make it more of a spectacle okay. Like, I don't think we're all obsessed with ourselves. I don't know why, yes. you know, why we would be against that in the first place.
1: I don't know either. You yeah. know, they get worried if you got too big of a headband on your head,
0: you know, like, yeah, right. you
1: know that's not going to work.
0: Yes. Well, so, um, I know also you're, you've been coming off an injury here a few months ago, uh, and obviously moving forward and everything's going back up, which first off super pumped for that. <laughs> I know everybody wants to get on the back end of an injury, but at, as you move forward, and for powerlifting, it isn't even a question of if you get injured; it's when you get injured. Wh- what are some of the best routes that people could be taking to mitigate those injuries, especially to allow themselves to sustain a long career?
1: Yeah, I have, to, I have done really good in my career as far as not being injured till the end of it. <laughs> I don't even want to say end because I'm not done yet, but yes. towards my my many years into it. Um, and a lot of that was just not sticking with my principles that, that had got me to where I am right now. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I went for so long where, um, you know, I didn't even really have much competition to win the world or break world records. I was just dominating so hard that it was, wasn't really worrisome. And then now, thankfully, we've got such a more competitive field, which I, have enjoyed. I enjoy the competition of it. But, um, you know, when um, when I probably should have, Taken some time off, or ignored, or dropped out of the meet because I wasn't where I needed to be. But I want to compete and be on that stage so badly, um, overtook my senses, and I paid for
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep i've been there i've been there
1: (laughs) um so i'd been doing really good until i hit 40 (laughs) and then i just started i could i could see him coming i could feel him on my heels i started pushing myself harder i started changing some things that had worked all along for me um to try to like get ahead get ahead um and that was my downfall really yeah. So some of it is um, trying to have a mature mind about training. You know, um, form is number one thing. I did stay injury free for so long because I have you. You stay in your form. You don't ever break form. We always have this saying in our gym: it's better to miss right than miss wrong. Yeah. You know, and that will keep you injury free for a really long time. And also trying to hold back the want to just throw on some huge weight and give it a try. You know, maybe I could do thirty pounds more today. Let's see. You know, um, staying away that sort of that mindset. So, I mean, those really are just being really it is just being smart. But sometimes it's hard to do that.
0: Yes, yeah, there is. You know, I I, I think of uh, I don't remember some hype up video I'd seen a couple of years ago, and and it was one of your world competitions. And you come up and, you know, you're like hyping up your spotter before your bench. You say, hey, this is my weight. You're like, all the commentators like, oh, she wants a conversation. You know, it's like uh-huh. you have that kind of energy coming in. Of course, like you think you're invincible, you know, just for like that uh-huh. moment of going through the lift. You kind of forget you're human until yeah. you get hurt. And then you're like, oh, yeah, there's like seven billion yeah. other of me out here. <laughs>
1: That's exactly right. Like those moments, I always feel like um, I started kind of getting amped up because it just took my nerves away. Yeah. It kind of took my ne- negative voices out of my head. Like, am I going to get this? This is really heavy. <laughs> you know, so By amping myself up and getting the crowd going, I felt like I have all these people behind me. How can I miss? You know, and I always love getting the spotters and loaders. I'm so appreciative to them yeah. and to make them part of the event, I think, is super important like and it helps you it helps them you know it makes it makes it more fun yeah. um so I, I i do love doing that but then yeah <laughs> it can be addicting that's
0: what yes. i'm saying <laughs> oh ab- absolutely and i think the unsung heroes of powerlifting meets really are those spotters and those loaders like i, I there's so many times people are like hey moses do you want to come uh you know, load for this meet. I'm like, no, like I know how difficult of a job that like, that sounds awful. I think it was, I think it was one of Bill Gillespie's meets. It was a three, six, five meet. And Mm -hmm. they were like, Moses, like, do you want to help load for Bill's bench? And I was like, Bill's about a bench, a thousand something pounds. I do not want to load that bar. I was like, and I most certainly Mm -hmm. do not want to be holding it just to go. So the people who do that, if you guys are listening, we're just so appreciative of you guys Uh, from IPF to local meets. I mean, it is such a necessary job. And it's, it's important yeah, it is. too,
1: like to get that good lift off, or to really load that weight correctly, or really to catch you when you don't got it. I mean, it's um, it takes it takes some intelligence and some know how to be on there. I always like I would much prefer um, spotting and loading to refereeing, really? <laughs> but I always I always get stuck refereeing because we never have quite enough. But I would so much rather be on that platform loading that weight.
0: Well, there's less pressure as well. If you're the ref, everybody's yeah. going to hate you if you give a red light. Like, I, I've thought well, it's about that.
1: horrible, it. especially if you know the person. You're like, oh, yeah. Like, my worst one was uh, my training partner, Big Jeff Snyder. We were at Nationals, and I was the head ref. <laughs> I was like, gosh, darn it. And so he pulled a lift, and um, he was not locked out on his right side. And so I called the red um and it was for the win it was mm. for our record it was oh. for the world team and i was like oh my god and so i threw it thankfully the other two it's hard to see lockout on the sides you know so they called the white and i was so thankful for that <laughs> right it right. <laughs> was like the hardest thing i had to do because i was like gosh turn it like you know you hate to do it but you know like ethically you have to
0: <laughs> yes yeah you hate to see the disappointment on their face of just like yeah. you were the one like i think like julius caesar you were the one to stab me really you know but it's um, it's the only well, way Be-
1: later he came back and thanked me and he said you know i'm glad you did that because i wouldn't want someone to think that i you gave it to me because i'm your friend so I was like, okay, well,
0: good. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> well, and, and because it has been such a such a hot topic of judges who are just kind of giving out gifts and giving away things that they really shouldn't be, and so establishing that legitimacy of being something that's like, oh, I love you to death, but like that was not locked out. Like you ramped no. that bad boy, wasn't <laughs> yeah. to death. I'm sorry, you know. Is yeah. it's important? It's necessary. As much as yeah, I hate important. to say it's no to my friends, you got to do, friends, gotta yeah. do it. Um, well, you know, we both work with kids. I know you Mm -hmm. are, you're the math person. So on the loading side, I can understand why you'd want to be loading the bar because you can actually count. I can't, I was the communications person, but, um, you know, both as people who both work with, uh, with kids in, in my view, at least, as I look at my long-term legacy that I want is just getting as many kids involved in powerlifting as early as possible, even if it's not power, even if it's, well, uh, I won't say CrossFit. I'm sorry no, to all don't you CrossFitters. I hate don't do it. it. <laughs> I can't. But like Olympic weightlifting, strongman powerlifting, of okay. just getting people uh, their hands on a barbell. What are some of these routes, you know, to just even open up the world of strength sports to kids early on in a way that allows them to want to continue long term?
1: Yeah, that's um, hard uh, because, you know, you definitely need a place to do it, which is not mm-hmm. always easy, you know. Um, but like for ours, we do like a powerlifting club, you know, and it is ironically like I end up having most kids that just can't fit into a sport somewhere. Yeah. Like they're not talented at baseball or not talented at soccer or whatever. So they just they're athletic, but they can't find their niche. And so they end up powerlifting and it ends up being like a really great experience for them. So I love that. So it's really just about, I guess, providing and having opportunities, you know, um, providing seminars, things like that to help try to get the kids involved. Or, you know, and you don't have to even be like a teacher or anybody. Like if you're into powerlifting, you know, get those neighborhood kids involved, you know, take one kid under your wing, get them started. It'd be so rewarding. For you because most of the time if you just get them involved you take them to a meet they're hooked it's not hard yeah you know <laughs> yeah.
0: they see the energy once and they're they're hooked yes
1: and that's the one thing i love about my little powerlifting club. I club mean, we are a small school but i love walking in there because the kids are so supportive and they're excited they have their own you know instagram page and they celebrate each other and it becomes the awesome community that we know powerlifting is it just naturally forms you know so sometimes you just have to be the one to help them get started
0: yeah a hundred percent because you know even though you you absolutely can get involved in powerlifting you know your 30s 40s 50s i think i don't remember what it is yeah like it really is just such an accessible sport but on the flip side you could also be getting involved as a teenager or as a preteen, or even I love, there's nothing I love more than open up Instagram and see like one of those videos, of like the eight year old, just like pick up <laughs> the bumper plate, you know, the 10 on either side. Yeah. And it's it just like, it's just exposure. And it's, yeah. it gives them a feeling of accomplishment, you know, to add half a pound onto their bench from the last time, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, I, both my sisters uh, are much older than me. Uh, you know, my nieces, my nephews uh, are all really, really young. And so the running joke has been for the last couple of years is that as soon as they turn three years old, I'm going to buy them this like kids bench (laughs) set that Uh I found on Amazon for like 130 bucks. Uh And both of my sisters, like Moses, I swear to God, like, don't don't buy my kid like don't get them into this and I'm like oh I'm gonna get them into it you know yeah. I'm gonna be that. and so both my brothers-in-law
2: <laughs> yeah I'm like
0: you you in the long run are gonna think like I don't care if they're never squatting hundreds of pounds but like just to get them doing something and of course both my brothers-in-law are like this is a great idea like get them both yeah. like we won't tell them don't worry about it. we'll put it in the basement well whatever yeah. but I really do like the only reason something like that's been created is because there's a potential demand for it. And if it's a sport in which kids don't feel like they're going to get bullied, like they are in the soccer field or the football field in which most of us who grew up in the nineties, eighties, early two thousands had to deal with the sandlot vibes of, you know, they're like, there's going to be, you know, those kids. And I feel like powerlifting, Oh, it's the worst. It really is.
1: And it's so nice because like we said before, everyone, anyone can do it. And you can really just kind of be judged on your strength for your own size. You know, there's always probably going to be a little bit of razzing in an all guys uh, gym or whatever. But um, generally it's all good fun, hopefully. You hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but you do see, you know. like, especially doing seminars, uh, you see a lot of uh, older women in particular getting into it after their 40s. You know, it's sort of like a you know, a way to get healthier if they have an injury or just some sort of like, I'm turning over the sleep, I'm going to, you know, do something. Um, So it is pretty interesting to see uh the amount of Masters females that are just getting started. Like, and they just, they are, and I think some of it too, maybe is confidence. They finally don't feel intimidated by it by the time they're in their 40s, 50s. And so they're ready to give it a try because who cares?
0: Yeah. yeah, well, there's nothing to lose at that point. Yeah. Right
1: earlier they'd be like uh you know afraid intimidated to do it but now they have enough confidence to, and established in life that they feel like oh. they can go ahead and give it a go so that's oh. kind of neat too
0: yeah you know my mom you know she's you know just just hit 60 if you're listening to this you don't look a day over 30 but she <laughs> um you know has started you know just Texted me like hey you know i would love just xyz workout just even if it's light dumbbells or whatever and of course it like there's nothing makes me happier than that because i'm like right. wow like you're jumping in but i know just of the amount of studies that have showed like increasing bone density and oh, a yeah. lot, sure. especially post-menopause of just like allowing them to sustain and you know train it's like well this this is it like you may not be able to go for a run because it's going to destroy your knees or da 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 but mm-hmm. like you can go bench or you can go yeah. curl a dumbbell. And I think that's just really, really neat. In otherwise, people feeling like, oh, man, am I on the back end of my life here? Like, I guess mm-hmm. I'm just done. And how else <laughs> I stopped that? And that's awesome.
1: But they just have a barbend, an uh, uh, older lady just squatted. I can't remember how much, but like she was like 78 and she's, you know, has eight zoning world records, and her husband's behind her spotting her. I'm like, this
2: is awesome.
0: Incredible. <laughs> I'm it's, gonna yeah. be that person. That's exactly. <laughs> exactly. If I'm not there in 60, I don't want it. Like <laughs> that, that's how I want to fit. You know, and, and and you've mentioned, you know, just the support that Donnie has been in the background for you, and of course, he's he's training as well. And you know, you've got the full gym. Everybody who's who's listening, I can see the whole gym in the back. The classic red everywhere. You know, we've got the the whole setup. What what is that dynamic as well? Of of course, you're getting to train the sons, and you know your husband's all in it. You know, wh- what's the energy in, in the Thompson gym? You know, on, on a on a usual you know bench or squat night.
1: It's pretty good. Actually, we've been um, filming our workouts on Twitch TV. Nice. Um, so you can actually join us now if you want. We have like a small following of people that are all like friends now, and they come in and we chat or whatever during the workout. So you actually kind of see it if you want, but um, it's always like, I want to, I always say like one of my uh, pieces to longevity has been the people I train with, because when we have training, it's not like, Oh, I got to go train or I got to go this. It's seeing your friends. Like every time you have training, like it's, it's a, it's a get together and there's music and there's teasing and there's, um rehashing of memories. The Donovan's really good at stories and we've heard um eight hundred times, but he still feels like he needs to keep telling us them. But <laughs> right. I mean, like, you somewhat sometimes it's usually silly stuff that I've done, which is great.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean I always tell my kids like I've uh, they started powerlifting when they were fourteen. Um so they're 15 and 17 now and I was tell them I waited 14 years for you guys to get into this gym with me. <laughs> Um, and they don't have to be in there, but they, um, cause I always do tell them like, you don't have to do this. They're into baseball. And um, I say, you don't have to compete, but you do have to lift weights. Cause if you want to be good at your sport, you know, you're going to do the, you're going to do the most you can to be the best. And that includes Absolutely. weight training. You don't have to max out, but you will do something. <laughs> yes. So I guess in that way, I'm a bully parent, but um, <laughs> I don't tell them they have to do it, but they've been running around this gym since they've been in diapers. Um, so it was sort of a natural progression for them and I'm always super proud of them. They're, um, really strong (laughs) (laughs) for their ages, you know, how could you not be growing up in this environment? Um, but it is, I mean, it is great. Like I just, uh, if you can make this fun, you can Mm -hmm. stay in it a really long time. Yeah. That's the key. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's so huge because there is, there's this culture, and it's not, I don't think it's the predominant thing in powerlifting, but there definitely is a culture of people that just don't look like they're having fun with it anymore. You know, they're just doing it. So
1: intense, or like yeah. they're just too intense about it. You know, it's all about, and it just wrecks their day if they miss one rep at this right. weight, you know, or whatever. And so um, you need to have, I think it's important to, I mean, it is fun, but it's also about having other training partners to hold you accountable to make sure to encourage you, but make sure you're doing everything correctly. And then to pick you up when you're feeling down, like Big Jeff just had um, surgery on his elbow. So he's coming back, but he's, you know, way behind what he's used to doing as a um, 300 pound man. And so he's really struggling mentally with that. And so we spend a lot of our time just trying to pick him up, trying to reason with him, trying to get him to, you know, mentally get in it and start smelling that stop beating himself up about what he's lifting. So, I mean, there's just, there's so many aspects to having that type of, um, people around you.
0: Yeah. hundred oh, percent. So as you look at, you know, your next 40 years of competition, <laughs> uh, as you, you know, even look back at, at the last 10, the last 15, last 20, when you get to the end of your powerlifting career, what are if and when that ever happens? Probably I don't you'll, think that's gonna happen. You will never finish. When, when you move down the road in powerlifting, what are some of the things for you as you look at your legacy that you want to really stand out above all else?
1: Uh, well, of course I want to stand out as someone that dominated my sport.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> that's better competitor
1: in me talking. <laughs> um but I also hope that I like I broke barriers. As far as what women were capable of, in particular, the bench press, you know, that we are capable of pressing these enormous weights. You know, I first hit 300. You know, people thought that nobody else would ever hit that. But now women are getting very close and some are hitting over it. So I hope that I set the bar and then I'm glad that people were able to smash those. You know, so I like to think I had a hand in that. Um, And I hope just that. my other thing would be like, I hope that I set like a good positive role model for young women coming up and that it's about who you are and not the skin that you're willing to flash.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I think that's a big problem in social media right now. Um, I think our younger women feel like they need validation and followers by pieces of their body they're willing to show. Yeah. And I don't think if you're claiming yourself to be an athlete, that shouldn't be your focus. Mm hmm. Um, so I hope that I am encouraged. I get a lot of comments from other people, um, on Instagram, things like that, thanking me for just being a normal person and not, uh, yeah. like, um, you know, filtering everything, how I look, you know, things like mm-hmm. that, that I'm a regular people and, and people can aspire to, to, to be that. Cause that's so many times we put, um, unobtainable, um, uh, pictures out there that, really is defeating to some of our younger girls opposed to lifting them up and giving them something to aspire to. So I hope I'm that too. (laughs) And I hope overall I show that um, this is a men's and women's sport and um, it's not separated. Yeah. I love that we're having some uh, women's sort of empowerment seminars, but really this is a co-ed sport and we work together, you know, men help women and women help men um, equally. And so I really hope that I've showed and exhibited and helped create that. There was a long time where our women's piloting nationals was separate. And they claimed that it was really just sort of highlighting and um, really giving women their stage.
2: Hmm.
1: And it took us many years to come forward and say, listen, we don't need that anymore. And when we go to nationals, you know, my male partner is helping me. And then when he lifts, I'm over there helping him. And we work together on this. And we don't need to be segregated and separated. We're equals. So that's when they finally, we had to come to a vote and we voted for women's nationals to be put in with the men's nationals. And it took a while to get that. But I think that also just shows that um, we are co-ed sport and we're in this together equally. So I hope that we continue that.
0: Yeah. It, you you mentioned so many good things. I mean, obviously so many good things there, but yeah, especially <laughs> of just just presenting training and who you are just as who you are, you know, that there isn't that that is the thing as much as social media has allowed us to all connect and, you know, has allowed more access. It has created that, you know, that pressure of like, okay, well, yeah, so especially, you know, you see someone like, you know, Steffi Cohen, who's a huge following, and so many young girls can very quickly be like, Oh, I need to do XYZ in order to become as famous as Steffi or Stacy or Jen or whatever, instead of just presenting themselves for just who they are in their own journey.
1: And I bet if you did sort of some data analysis on some of that, it's not usually those types of balance are mostly men. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. That are in their tube tops doing their dumbbell curls. (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: um, I was not. Uh, usually the the women following that, but it is um, we do need to get away from like that that some some sort of self validation because um, that's not really
0: healthy. <laughs> yes, absolutely, it's not sustainable at all, uh, and and it it takes yeah. away from from the sport.
1: There's some pluses and minuses to everything in social media. I feel like I think overall it's good because, and the end of flip side, you know, you do have examples of, like we've talked about, women doing some amazing feats of strength and um, presenting different body types and things like that. But it is um, un- unbelievably in human nature. It's much easier to believe bad things than good things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my husband always tells me there's this uh, study out that for. Um, Every bad thing, you need to hear 10 good things to make you feel better about it. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. so backwards the way we think sometimes. But, you know, there's some of it maybe just be recognizing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Well, and there, there is truth to that because it is like I could be told, hey, that was a great squat so many different mm-hmm. times. But that one person is like, ah, like you could have done better. Like it just, it just <laughs> demolishes. I'm like, okay, that was an awful yeah. spot. Like I just, I need to do it. So yeah. it is, it's true. Like we just, we latch on to the negative, even if it's someone we've never interacted with before in our lives. Like it could be some Joe Schmo online that has a private account. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, Mark three, six, seven hated my bench. <laughs> it's like, well, who cares? <laughs> you know, but it is, it's how our mind works.
1: Yeah. You got to kind of learn how to get a little bit of a thick skin with some of that stuff because people can, you know, they say anything behind a screen, you know, they have that protection to say mean things sometimes. And I don't know what propels somebody to do that, but uh, like, you know, I just started posting on TikTok, and I posted uh, one of my deadlifts from um, the Arnold. Of course it's sumo. So, you know, there's all the sumo haters in there, mm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's, Throwing shade and whatever else. But then, you know, if you're sort of a social media influencer, you sort of realize that any sort of conversation going on is getting people to comment back and forth is is a positive. So I don't get too upset about it. (laughs) Yes,
0: Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Because there's going to be plus there's going to be they're going back and forth. Getting your comments and your views up as they're getting pissed off, whether sumo is a conventional, like, you know, yep. I'm like okay, keep going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep fighting. Keep telling me it was bad. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, you know, uh, on the on the back end um, uh, of all of my interviews, you know, two of the the questions I think have really made this podcast stand out has been this faith question and then this breakfast question. So, um, you know, firstly on the faith side. Um, I think one of the coolest things about powerlifting has just been how diverse it is. Um, just that really anyone from any walk of life, uh, any race, religion, creed, sexuality can just go grab a barbell and lift. Um, and yeah. kind of, it's kind of been the theme of what we talked about. It's just been really, really cool. And i would love to see how all of those different, um, you know, auxiliary things have impacted how people have even viewed training. So for you, I wonder, you know, what role, if any, has your own personal faith played in yeah. just your training, your mentality?
1: I knew this question was coming. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. Knowing you and your background, really how to answer it. Um, I grew up Catholic and it wasn't a good experience. Yeah. So I've shied away from organized religion my entire life. I know there's people that have good things with it. But for me, I've just uh, focused on my faith in uh, good people Yeah. and just surprising myself by positivity and trying to make a positive impact on this world, whether it's powerlifting, whether it's environment, whether it's helping out community, um, just knowing that when you do things for others, you feel good. You feel like you're passing it out. So I just sort of use that. Yeah. Sorry, there's my hounds. Um, I, I, t- I, I attribute a lot to my mother. Um, my mother, uh, my father was very um, I don't know, Archie Bunker. Yeah. I don't even know if you know who that is.
2: Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. He,
1: was your, he was your typical Archie Bunker. And my mom was the one always telling me that, you know, everybody's people back when, you know, um, you know, gay was not acceptable. She was always you know, people are people, people are different. We have to celebrate their differences. So I'm so thankful that I had her like calming voice <laughs> like yeah. really resonating with me and at the Archie Bunker. So um I think I've been able to carry that. And that's why I do like, you know, we're doing the different seminars and different podcasts and things like that. I always feel like um, giving back because I want, I love my sport and I want to see it grow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's all about, uh, you know, the first few years, usually as a powerlifter, you're sort of finding yourself and you're, you're kind of harvesting all these experiences. But then when you get to a certain time, it's important to give back. You know, share those experiences, giving back in some way, whether it's refereeing, helping out, just helping out a knee, helping a new lifter. So I think um, I just employed that part of who I am into the sport and then outside of that as well.
0: yeah well you know it's funny you mentioned it kind of on the front end, you know one of the things that a lot of people don't really know about me, <clears throat> so I grew up in Ireland my parents were uh were Protestant missionaries over there, and so Ireland naturally just being part of the British Isles, just has a lot of that Catholic you know old religion influence which naturally a lot of people saw from you know the abuses in the Vatican and everything of just being you know just toxic, and so a lot of young you know, Catholics are like, I'm just, no, I'm out. I'm not, I don't want to deal with this. This is awful. And they stepped away. And so a lot of what we were doing there was just those conversations, those same conversations yeah. of just recognizing the really real hurt and a lot of the legalism and, and a lot of that. And so it's really encouraging to hear you here, because honestly, at the end of the day, I just want people to give back like that really yeah. is it. And that's really been mm-hmm. the core of the podcast as well Is it's like, okay, at the end of the day, obviously me being a Christian, I'm mean, gonna be like, oh, Christianity's great, but for the people who aren't in that world of just like, just don't be a bad person. You know, honestly, <laughs> like, like, I remember Ed Cohen was just like, don't be a dick. Like that was his thing. Yes. Like that was literally. I love it. Eddie. He's just Like he's, <laughs> he's just, <laughs> like, he just he's gonna say it how it is.
1: <laughs> As I was uh, we're doing a little bit of a seminar uh, this weekend it's at Queen's Powellton University in Canada. The, the girls, they just messaged me out of the blue and they're trying to raise money for their powerlifting. They don't have any money and they're trying to get powerlifting going in their university. I'm so, like, okay, let's, I'm like, sure. And I've been helping them organize this seminar. Again. And they're like, I cannot believe that you are even talking to us, you know? And I feel like that about um, Ed Cohn too. And a lot of the other um, influencers, if you actually just reach out to them, Like people want to help and they want to grow the thing that they love, you know? And I know Ed talked about like our charity that we did. Like I reached out uh, all these people. I don't even know that well. I knew some of them, but, and they all jumped on to help get kids lunch during the quarantine. Like, and it's just, um, it's full of amazing people and it's amazing. Like where you might just assume that someone would never talk to you or is untouchable. Um, that's not usually the case.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, and that's, I mean, that's something about powerlifting as well. Like I, I've said that someone asked me, they said, Hey, like, how do you have all these relationships? You know, of the fact that since March, since this started just the amount of people that I've now become connected with, I'm like, well, if this was basketball, I couldn't just like text LeBron James and be like, Hey, homie, like <laughs> you want to jump on real fast. Like that there's yeah. just that accessibility isn't there. Even if he wants to help, that's just not an option where we yeah. are in a sport, in which you can, and it is yeah. accessible
1: it is surprising. Like even just messaging on Instagram, you never know who's going to actually answer the facts.
0: And and, and it's a fun little game. I like to play. I'm like, Ooh, I I wonder like, I'll just shoot a text to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's see. Let's see what he said. Like obviously he's not, he's not reading his DMs. He
1: might be a little unreachable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, This is a slightly different story, but But I
1: need some better avenues with that. But you know, for, for us, we are a small, I mean, in reality, we are a small community people. Um, So, I mean, we really do. And I just that's the one thing people always say, how do you stay in the sport so long? Because there really are a lot of women that have started it, stayed in it through college, through marriage, through kids. You know, it's, it's hard as a woman to go through those family things and really keep this as a part of your life. And I've always said it's the community. Like we have just the most amazing community of people and you want to stay a part of it. You don't ever want to leave it. So I say I'll never retire. I hope I'll still be lifting in my 80s. But if not, I'll be in it somehow.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so uh, the last big question and the fan favorite is this breakfast question. So I'm giving you, uh, I'll preface, I'm giving you full reign to give a cheat meal. This doesn't need to be something that fits Mm -hmm. macros, whatever it is. What breakfast food absolutely reigns supreme in your mind?
1: Well, I sort of feel like I cop out for saying this because it's part of the title of your podcast. <laughs> but my grandmother made the best French toast in this entire world. We would go to her house for dinner and we would ask her to make French toast.
0: That's awesome.
1: And so like, I did, af- the day after a meet, I always allow myself a really nice breakfast wherever we're at. And I always oh, get French toast. We are in Charleston last month and i can't remember the name of the place but i got my french toast and it was some of the best i've ever had it was so good it's just that it's it's got to be a little bit soft but mostly crispy around the outside and i don't like it when you like put fruit and whipped cream and stuff on it you just need butter and syrup that's it (laughs) and a good amount of cinnamon in there
0: of course Yeah, that's so funny. It's funny you said it was a cop out because anyone who's ever said French toast, I've given them a hard time for it because i have said it's the name. Of it. But honestly, it's a fair answer. It really is. Well, I
1: figured if I provided some background information,
0: <laughs> I couldn't make fun the, of you for it.
1: Grandmother, yeah. that you couldn't really give me too much shit about it. <laughs> oh man, that's
0: so funny. But it is. It's it's a classic. Andrew Herbert said the same thing. He was like Moses. I promise. Like this isn't a cop out. Like I just I really like French toast, and I'm like honestly, so do I. That's why it's in the name. Mm-hmm. You know of the show. Oh.
1: And I still uh, and I've tried to replicate my grandmother's and I can't. I mean I know what she put together and she put flour in there and she actually cooked it in Crisco, which is horrible. But and I've tried to make it and I just cannot make it like she did. I just I don't know, my ratios are off or I just don't have I don't know. But Anyway, I, st- I still my mouth waters just even thinking about.
0: you are gonna end up driving back to Charleston, you know. After the no, no, you know, was,
1: I wonder if they do delivery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, see if you can get a DoorDash from Charleston. Yeah. Oh well, so last thing I got for you is just what's coming up next. You know, what uh, is? I know you've got a seminar seminar series coming up. You know, what's what's mm-hmm. next for Jen Thompson?
1: Uh, Well, you know, COVID's actually put out like a big twist in everything. Um, You know, it's going to be like a year and a half probably since, you know, seminars stop before we start. And we have one planned in um august in C- in um uh, tacoma washington it's a all women's strength seminar not powerlifting specific but strength summer i have that on my website um i hope that we can have it you know because it yeah. seemed at one point like for sure in august but now i'm like i'm not sure yep. so it's it's hard to plan really seminars right now i'm hoping that we'll have our iron sisters up in canada in july but again I don't know. One thing I'm really excited I'm working on is through my strength book, which is a training app. I have a couple of programs on there, but they're sort of um, they're going away from that. And I'm creating my own workout series,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which um, I'm pretty excited about. So I'm creating a, a a series of workouts that you can do on this program, but it's generated by me. And it will be a community um, of people where you can kind of check in with each other, have video checks, things like that. So I'm developing several programs for that. And I hope that it will be out in August. So I think that will be fun. And then other than that, just some online stuff and some podcasts. But in in the end, though, with the, all this COVID stuff, one thing I did learn was I was doing too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've actually really enjoyed, not that I want it like this, but I've enjoyed, um, I mean, because we were probably traveling. I was, I was traveling probably twice a month or more, um, doing stuff. Yeah. And, um, this has made me, um, sit back and, um, enjoy my family and get two dogs. Yeah, <laughs> So I have two dogs and I'd want to you know, and I, I don't honestly see myself returning back to that type of schedule.
0: Yeah. And and I think as, as awful as COVID has been, I think it's allowed people to just breathe honestly, like for mm-hmm. just like a minute, you know, and just Reevaluate, like man, like why do I feel tired all the time? And it's like, well, because we're yeah. just going, going, going. You, know, we're always chasing the next thing, and it's forced everyone to just take a step back and reevaluate.
1: Yeah, and I think so. It's like you're you're wondering, like, how long is this wave going to go? Like, how long can I ride this wave? I need to ride it as much as I can before it peters out. Uh, but then you know, perspective comes into play, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Come on.
0: <laughs> and yes. So
1: I'm enjoying. Um, and in my, in reality, my kids are in high school, they're freshmen and um, juniors and they're only going to be around a few more years. So I really need to enjoy them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you don't want to lose all the time, just being away on seminars all the time. So that's, yeah, um, I understand. Oh, I, well, I don't understand because I don't have kids, but I can understand the mindset. Day. of you know <laughs> I will one day. We, we, I will get to that point. But of, yeah, I've just wanted to be, be around. And I, and I think COVID has really meant that. I think people who even like families who aren't even that close have become closer because they're recognizing like, wait, I'm not allowed to come see. You. Like I never came to see you anyway, but now I, I'm not allowed to. So I want, you know, it's that, it's that classic dilemma. And there's
1: uh, just not that many things. I, I sometimes say like COVID has made raising a teenager a yeah. little easier yeah. um, because there's not that much to do.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: There's no way for them to escape me.
1: So it's a lot less worrisome. I sort of feel bad saying that. But i yeah. like, I don't have to worry about them driving to a party or, you know, things like that because that stuff's just not going on anymore. So I'm like and I've just it's enjoyed us, it's made us like get to know each other a little bit better and have more family time and um and sometimes it's we get tired of each other too. <laughs> Yes. In the end, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, try to find the silver lining and everything. And I'm just going to be grateful for this time. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I think that that's a strong way to finish it, folks. This has just been a great conversation with Jen Thompson. You can find her on Instagram at Jen Thompson132, or uh, you can find her at 132poundsofpower.com. Get access to everything that's coming up for her. Uh, with that, we will see you next week with Travis Papa Bear Rogers. Well, folks, this was just a great conversation with Jen Thompson. You can find her on Instagram at Jen thompson 132 or on our website, 132poundsofpower.com. If you love the episode and you're craving a little bit more from me, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify at Faith Fitness and French Toast. Or visit us on Instagram at Faith Fitness Podcast for full interviews, trailers, and more for Season 5. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, you can subscribe on Patreon for $5 a month. When I have the opportunity to record video interviews, they will be posted exclusively up on the site uh, for you to enjoy. We have a brilliant guest list for this half of the season, so don't forget to turn on your post notifications on Instagram and stay connected on your platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood at Big Mo Powerlifting. Thanks as always for listening and I'll see you next week with Travis Papa Bear Rogers.